From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specialising in rural business and marketing design, find them on Facebook and Instagram. From the Saddle. I just need to take five and just go away and recover. <laughs> Not even high pressure, I don't know the word. Describe it. From the Saddle. I'm Caitlin Hewitt and this is From the Saddle. We walk among a generation that are constantly needing to be reassured, validated and complimented. Our next guest couldn't be further from that. In fact, it was a condition of doing this interview that we didn't talk about his success because as far as he's concerned, he's yet to achieve it. Will Durkin comes from a humble background, 29 years of age and rapidly becoming one of the most well-known names within the Australian horse and camp drafting industry. Two years I have been trying to convince Will to do this interview with me. We sat huddled in the corner holding microphones at the Paradise Lagoons camp draft. His voice shook, leg twitched and his hands were busy. It was clear that Will Durkin is more of a doer than a talker. Will is certainly more at home in the saddle holding the reins as opposed to a microphone. However, he couldn't hide the pride in his eyes as he reflected back on just some of the people that have been a part of his journey so far. From the saddle. From the saddle. Will Durkin, you, my friend, have been a hard one to get onto this microphone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you. Mate, you are the fourth child of Rob and Wendy Durkin. Let's learn about Will and what was childhood like. Uh, I remember riding horses a lot. Sort of knew what what we wanted to do pretty early. Me and and Rachel were pretty close. We were were only two years apart, so we rode a lot. We um, rode our ponies a lot. I'd bareback a lot and galp around and I guess that's how we sort of started getting into horses. Did you guys homeschool or did you mainstream school? Homeschooled till I was in grade five or six and we went to school in Rocky for a couple of years when we lived at Paradise and then we we finished out of primary school, like distance education again when we were at Carpentry, which is north of Greenvale and then went to boarding school in Charleston. How would you rate Wendy as a teacher? Um, I think I gave her plenty of stress. That she was she was probably she was probably real good, but I tested her out a bit. I think. <laughs> so, mate, Dad, you know he's one of the most respected horsemen in Australia. It's almost like it's bred into you, kids. Would you say that? Like, was it always natural to be on a horse? Um. Yeah, I think I. Oh, yeah. Whether you call it natural or whatever. I suppose I'm one of the lucky people that knew what I wanted to do from, from the get-go. Um, from the songs I can remember ago, I, I wanted to ride horse. And, um, yeah, that's never changed and I feel very fortunate that I I knew what I wanted to do from a young age and him and mum certainly helped us all the way along. Do you look back at your childhood and consider one particular thing mum and dad did that set you right, whether it was like, Values, or whether they put so much time into you know taking your kids to camp drafting or anything like that. I think they tried, <laughs> but um, no, it's, yeah, certainly put um, a good you know morals or whatever in this. And whether we follow that or not, I suppose that was our our thing. But that was there from the get go, and and they backed us no matter what we want to do. And and most of us have wanted to do what they want to do: ride horses and work cattle and whatever. And, yeah, they couldn't ask for, for better parents. Yeah, good. So, mate, did you do horse sports as a kid, like 
camp drafting or pony club or what what did you do? Yeah, we did a little bit of horse sports, I think, from memory. Early on, we, when we lived around Marlborough at Oakley, we, we used to go to the odd pony club and and do a bit of, that, bit of that from what I can remember. And then, um, yeah, we, we started drafting pretty early on. Yeah, just sort of all tied in together, I suppose. So fast forward, camp drafting is the week in, week out for you. Mate, your success is nothing to be dismissed and you're all very humble, you Durkins. You claim that there's nothing to be praised about and we won't go on that, but who do you see as a big part of your success? First and foremost, mum and dad. I would never have ever done anything with horses or in this sport without them and their support and their time and what they did for all of us. I think I speak for all my brothers and my sister in that. Certainly they were there from the start and helped us out. And, yeah, like I, a lot of people, as as time went on, I went and worked for Marcus and Shelley Kerr when I was sort of in my early 20s and, and that sort of set me where I want, what I wanted to do, that I wanted to go contract master and whatever and, and I rode a lot of horses and, you know, I sort of, sort of figured out where I wanted to go with everything and, and then as time went on, Ben and Jay Hall helped me a lot with camp drafting and, and work and business and and then in the, in the last sort of three, four years, Terry and Chrissy all helped me no end and, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now without all of their help. So, mate, let's go back to Marcus and Shelley Kerr. What was it about contracting that you really sort of took to? I was sort of working around round home and I was breaking in horses and, and working for, for the Philpses and the Shans and, and that was great and, and I learned a lot off them and, that, and they were very good to me and they're still good friends today and but I sort of got to the point where I felt a bit bit lost sort of thing and I rang Marcus and went up there and yeah I just sort of saw what I wanted to do and and I learned a lot off them and, and that just sort of changed. I realised that I wanted to go contract mushroom and that's what I went and and no we weren't contract mushroom when I was working for Marcus. We were just on their place, but I sort of realised what I wanted to do and, and then that led me into working for, for Ben and, and Jay and, and then as that went on and, and he he slowed down, he, he helped me into what I'm doing now and, and without him, I, there's no way I would be able to do what I'm doing now. So what is it that you do now? I sort of took over his, oh, not his business, but he sort of sold me his gear and, and, and a few jobs and, and I was sort of taken over what he was doing and, and running my own contract mushroom sort of camp now. Based where, mate? Uh, anywhere. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> Take and work anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. <laughs> we, we sort of work around Mount Isa, Concarry, sort of a few places in there and Kim and Evan Acton have been there, helped me a lot over the years with horses and always looked out for me and now we're doing mushroom for them and so it's all sort of tied in together really well and I, and I appreciate what they've done for me over the years and, and same as Lloyd and Wendy Hick, like we're mushroom for them and, and riding horses for them and, and, you know, people like them, without them, there's no way I'd be doing what I'm, what I'm doing now. In the rural industry at the moment, there's like this massive big shortage of, I guess, staff, you could say. Contract mustering seems to be the way forward because you can't find employment to actually fill the position for a lengthy period of time. Mate, I think you're in the right game. Hope so. <laughs> I, um, no, I think it, I think it I think it is. You know, we can we can come in and, and get a job done and 
and be gone again and, and then, you know, let people take care of running their places but, but come in and, and do the things that they struggle to get people to do and we can come in and do it and, and do it properly and, and it's done and, and we're gone again, you know. Like that's that's what we try and do. We want to handle cattle properly and do a good job of, of everything and then and then be out of the way to let them run their places and, and hopefully it sort of, you know, keeps rolling around where that becomes a yearly thing that they don't have to worry about people coming in and, and looking after their cattle, it's it's just done and sorted and then they can go on about their business and plan ahead, you know, from then on. So horses only or dogs as well? Oh, we use, we use dogs a bit. I, I don't use them much for cows and calves, but, but yeah, we, we use them a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty rough country and a bit hot up there somewhere where we go, so it's sort of yeah, a bit hard on them. But, but yeah, we, we use jobbers obviously and horses and, and the odd bike, but a bit of dog every now and again. Who's the camp cook? Uh, that's optional. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on year to year. <laughs> I, had, I had a great cook last year, Steph Griffiths. She, her and her partner Nick were there with us last year and, and she done a hell of a job. Got a new cook this year and hopefully she's good too. <laughs> so did Wendy teach you to cook? Oh, Can you I cook? Saw, I saw I'm not cooking. That will be a bit hungry if it was up to me. <laughs> so, mate, do you employ staff every year or do you have regulars? What's the go? Yeah, so I, I sort of only took over from, from what Ben had going on started last year and I guess but there's probably five or six of them that come from him and, and they they stay there for the year and then a few of them come back and, and whatever and, and a few new ones and, yeah, just sort of trying to do a similar thing to what he was doing and keep those same sort of values and, and the work and work ethic and everything that he had when I was there and, and just going forward like that. So you mentioned earlier that Ben and Jay Hall were, you know, a big part of where you are today. Is that a part of it as in managing staff and values and being a good boss and things like that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I certainly learnt a hell of a lot off off of him and, and Jay, how they, they operate and, and run things and and how they do things and I wouldn't have been able to, to start how I started without their help and, and their backing to do what, I, what I'm doing now. And then that sort of led on to, to Terry and Chrissy, like his mum and dad too, helping me in a lot of ways and like we, you know, riding horses for them. And then, but they've helped me out a lot with, with work and with business and, and with gear. And, but oh, a hell of a lot to both Terry and Chrissy and Ben and Jay. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be doing what, I, what I'm doing now. Or, wouldn't have sort of been able to step into what I'm doing now. In your eyes, where do you aspire to take that? What I would like to do is, is you know, work on a few different places and fill that void that, you know, I know I could handle situations and people and whatever and handle cattle and, and all that together. Like, I think handling the people is probably just as hard as handling yeah. the cattle sometimes. So that's probably a challenge that I look forward to and enjoy with work. And certainly in that comes getting young horses going and, you know, we've always got to mob young horses and getting them going while we're at work and preparing them for for competition hopefully later on. And, yeah, it's all sort of tied in together. And But, yeah, certainly that, you know, handling people and, and cattle is probably just as important as the other. Absolutely. There's a lot to be said for staff management. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon cattle are pretty easy. <laughs> 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 I know, I've, I've certainly been very lucky. I've had some really good people here. I mean, in the last, last 12, 18 months and, you know, that come from Benny, started that, having good people around and, and that's just sort of carried on from that. So, mate, when you left school, what did you do? I, I went 
back to to Ben Burner where mum and dad have lived for the last oh, 17 years, 18 years now. I was there and I um, contract mustered out of there a bit for Mac and Garshan and Jay and Megan Phelps through the year. They were great to me and they're still very good friends today. And in the off sort of season, wet season, I suppose, when we had it, I broke in <laughs> horses and for, for anyone and everyone. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like I, I was probably breaking 30, 40 horses a year, every year from when I was about 15, 16 through to sort of when I went north. And I continued to do that, maybe not as many, but, yeah, I was sort of breaking 20, 30 horses a year. Still am now. So, mate, who taught you to do that? Oh, Dad, for sure. Yeah, he certainly started us for that and, and, and showed us how to go about that. And I haven't ever been to anyone else. And, and if I've ever had a problem, I've always gone to him and, he seemed to solve it pretty good, but um, he, he taught us all that, pretty much everything, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, he's pretty exceptional when it comes to handling young horse, and yeah, if I've had a drama, he's, he's had an answer. So take me back to the childhood ponies. What did you used to ride? Were, like, were they good horses? Were they? Were you, did your dad used to make you ride the bad horses to feel the good horses? Some of them were good. <laughs> them were. We had some great ponies when we were young. We had we had a couple of great ponies. We had a pony called Hero that a whole lot of us rode and we had another grey mare called Misty that all of us rode and she was by Mount Ape Zorro, which is the same breed that mum and dad's line of camp horses come from and we all rode her. But, yeah, we rode a hell of a lot of others too that, <laughs> that were good and bad and, and certainly when we sort of ended up in our juvenile years, we rode a few rough horses that, I think he was getting us to ride them to appreciate the, the ones we grew up on. But no, I think I think if you want to be good at it, you've got to ride every different type of horse. Can't just ride the good ones all the time. From the saddle. Connected to rural communities and farming families, the team at Hewitt Consulting have a unique understanding and ever-growing portfolio of rural digital and marketing designs. The most reputable marketing and design business in rural Australia. And a few sneaky ones overseas. Logo designs, bull sale catalogues, marketing material, custom trucker caps and merchandise, horse adverts and a whole lot more. Caitlin and Robin understand that each project is as unique as the business it's for. Contact them today, www.hewittconsultingco.com.au. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. From the saddle. So, Will, tell me the best horse that you feel like you've ridden. I've been very fortunate. I rode some very good horses, especially in the last few years. But if I could say one horse that I thought was the best horse I've ever had, I had a gelding called, called Action that was by Black Breeze. I got him when he was about eight year old and he hadn't been really rode much since he was broken in at two. I learned more off him than probably any person's ever taught me. And he, he died. Not long after, I only had him to about 10, 11, Frank Zagan died. But, yeah, he was, if I could ever have one horse, he's probably the horse. But, um, no, I've been very fortunate to ride some very good horses, especially in the last few years. So, mate, when you said that he taught you a lot about horses, do you mean that creating that partnership with him and kind of negotiating one another? Uh, yeah, I guess the feel of him, what he used to do in, in situations, how he used to move and how he used to react to cattle. You know, I just sort of felt like, I know I was only young, but I felt like you couldn't really teach a horse that. 
he just did things that I haven't felt too many other horses do. I've been very lucky, like I've rode some other great horses in their parts, could go on forever, but he just did things that you couldn't um, ask a horse to do. He just done on his own and probably made him special that he hadn't been rode till he was about eight year old after he got broken in and then he just sort of ended up being that good and came to early. But uh, yeah, I've always remembered him. He, I haven't really felt that since. What did he die from? Broke his leg. Oh. Had to put him down the roughest day of my life, I reckon. Yeah, that is rough, mate. So, Will, when you breed horses, is there a particular bloodline that you sort of look for or a type or? Yeah, both, for sure. Um, I'll try anything. I like the con man's obviously, the, the style and the size and the length and the shape of them and how they, they roll and move and whatever and, and I've rode a lot of them, broke a lot of them in and, and rode a lot of them and, and yeah, I, I really liked them and we had ended up with a lot of the black breezes which is what that old horse I was talking about was by, ended up with sort of three, four mares, three mares of my own and, and one of Ben and Jay's that were by him and, and they, were, they were very good mares and um, they were pretty special chasing cattle and that and Sort of been trying to cross them with Con Man, and and I got a few there coming along that are that are pretty good. How many horses you got on the truck at the moment to go dra- to a draft? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, I got uh, Paradise here now. I got ten, I think, here. But now uh, there's a few others there in, in the wings. But yeah, just sort of trying to give them all a bit of experience, the young ones, and keep the old ones going. So we'll. We've heard Will Durkin a lot over the PA system and that, but it's only been in the last couple of years that everyone wants to know a bit more about Will and you are, you know, winning a lot of titles and whether you think that it's not a credit, but it is a credit to you and it's a credit to the people that have made it happen for you. What point in your camp drafting career do you think defined it? Oh, I don't think I've hit it yet. You don't think you hit it? (laughs) No, I hope it's in the future. Yeah. Certainly mum and dad helped, like no matter what I ever wanted to do or, or wanted to achieve or whatever, they backed me and that, that certainly gives someone the, comp, you know, whenever, like I never I never really thought that I'd ever probably be doing what i am been doing, you know, riding or staring Chrissy and whatever and I always wanted to do that sort of thing but I never really thought I'd be doing it and they've just backed me all the way along and helped me and and that's probably, I suppose, give me confidence to, to keep working the woods what I want to work towards and, and then that's led on to other people backing me too and, and helping me and backing me to do do those things and, and you know, I, I certainly don't feel like I'm anywhere near where, where I'd like to be or or any anything but it's humbling for people to want to help you and to back you to do those things. Mate, the 10-year-old kid that's sitting at the sideline of the camp, who did you look to? Um, probably looked at Dad back when I was 10-year-old, I guess. Certainly saw him as as a bit of a hero. Always have and, and mum, both of them. But I probably just want to watch anyone, you yeah. know. Really, like just want to watch cattle and watch anyone. And and uh, you know, like always looked up to Terry and Chrissy and Ben and Jay and and Pete and Tony and O'Neill and people like that. That style of riding horses, I always liked that style of riding horses. But at the same time, I always wanted to do it our way. Probably wanted to do it. Maybe I didn't know that I was ten year old, but as I got older, I always wanted. I never wanted to copy anyone. I wanted to do it how I do it. But there's a lot of people that have given me good advice, like Mark Butters and Pete Mishki and Stevie, and heaps of them that run. And a lot of them have given me advice and 
talked about things and like Les Stewart, he's always giving me good advice. I, I shouldn't mention names because there's too many to mention, but yeah, never never been partial to, to not watching anyone really. Like I just want to watch everybody. Still do now. Try to. So, Will, like it or not, there is probably a 10-year-old kid that's watching you and aspiring to be like you. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to a kid? Um, <laughs> oh, don't watch me. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, um, I, I think certainly like that, there's a lot of work. Like you can't just watch someone or watch something and go, oh, I want to be that and rock up and do it. Like it's a lot of effort, a lot of work. And, and I think not being afraid of that, not being afraid of hard work and not being afraid of failing. Like this whole game, the whole camp drafting game, well, there's a lot of mental side to it. It's a very levelling sport. You can be top of the world one run and next run you're bottom of the pile. So learning how to handle that is probably one of the biggest things. You know, like being a good horseman or having good horses or whatever helps. And But handling that and then learning how to handle cattle is probably the next main thing, I reckon. So will... Where do you think the sport is going to go in the future? Um, I think it's I think it's headed in the right direction. I think we've got some really good people in the positions to to keep it in the right direction. I think it's probably hard times. We've got huge norms and and so many people that are are interested, and we've got big levels. We've got people that are you know basing their life around it, and people that are rocking up just to be there. And it's very tough for I think for our executive people in there. In the ACA, and, and I think every association, but certainly in the ACA, it's hard for them to negotiate. But I think we're on track. We've got some great people in line and looking after the sport. And, yeah, I think I think they, it's in good hands. And I, I think where they're headed with it and, yeah, obviously we're trying to get more money and, and all that sort of stuff. But, but they're looking after the bottom end too. And I think they need to be commended for, for the work they're doing. So, Will, as a competitor, what do you – look for at a camp draft? Is it, you know, good facilities, good grounds, good cattle? Like what do you enjoy about a camp draft? Um, that's, yeah, that's probably a fairly hard question to answer. I think anyone that's put a bit of effort in to putting on, on a draft for us is, is a huge thing. And this day and age probably always been the way, but certainly at the moment anyone that gives cattle is just, that's just phenomenal. Like they're worth so much money and, and then just donating them for us to, to to showcase our horses is it's something that you can't sort of put into words like it's those people have got to be you know whether they're they're doing it for young people you know to, to get back into the industry or whether they're just doing it for the love of sport like it's it's something that's pretty impressive that people can go and give loan that amount of cattle and that amount of money for us to, to showcase our horses I think it's pretty special. Do you think the effort that is put in by cattle donors and committee members and volunteers of whatever it might be is appreciated enough? I'd say no in some ways. Um, I think in a lot of ways, yeah, but in some ways, no. I think a lot of people want to rock up and, and just enjoy that. But in the same sense in saying that, there's just as many people or more that do appreciate it. And I think, you know, anyone that, that doesn't get into a draft or whatever, and yeah, as much as it, it's frustrating and hurts or whatever, but it they got to remember that everyone's volunteers. There's no one in this sport other than a handful, like at the very top of our, our management committee that, that gets any, gets paid for anything. It's volunteers. And, you know, yeah, sometimes you don't get in or you don't whatever or as much as it's probably frustrating and, and, and whatever, you got to remember that, that this this sport has become off the back of volunteers and 
it's pretty amazing where it's gone to and the money that's in it and, the, you know, with horses and setups and everything that it's going to the strength it's going just off the back of volunteers. I think people need more more credit for the, for that, the, the time and effort that they've put in. Some of our past presidents and that, that have just, you know, pretty much put their lives at home on hold to be on a management committee or to be a president to keep this association going is, is incredible in, in Morris. So, Will, we are sitting at Paradise Lagoon's Camp Draft. 20 years, mate, you turn 29 in a minute. Um, take us back to your first memory of Paradise Lagoons. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> um, I, oh, I'll be lying if I knew the exact year, but I, we sort of ended up coming, to, like mum and dad, coming to work at Paradise here when I was about eight or nine year old, which is, well, what are we, 2022, so that was 2002, one or whatever. And I remember remember driving up the hill here, was pretty sure with Graham and dad, and it was just a hill and a few trees and, and Graham was telling Dad where he wanted to put this and these yards and whatever and, you know, I come back here obviously, I watched, watched the first one and and um, it was it was unreal and, and whatever went up after that and I haven't been here probably five, six, seven years now and it's pretty special coming back here after all that time, 20 years and seeing seeing it all again and what Graham, his foresight of what he done and, like, he changed Camp and on dime. He, he turned it from just being a hobby to to something that people could make a living out of and turned it into something real special, I reckon. And, and, and anything that's come, you know, in the recent times of big money and, and whatever and prestige has come from the back of Graham's foresight. And, um, yeah, it's a shame he's, he's not about here to enjoy it now, but um, we're very lucky to have had him in our sport and our industry and, and he, he certainly changed the whole game for my mind. So, Will, what is it that you really love about camp drafting? Chasing cattle. Love chasing cattle. Yeah, it's nice to ride also can cut out or whatever, but chasing cattle, I, I suppose you, you do it at work when you need to. And, you know, if I never ever went to another camp draft again, I'd, I'd still go and chase one. That's what I, that's why I draft. I love feeling of horse chasing cattle and, and then probably pushing on from that. I, I like the competitiveness. I'm a competitive person and I like, like pushing that and, and then I love horses. I love riding horses and trying to get the best out of them and, and like handling cattle, so it all goes together, I suppose. But, yeah, if there's one thing that I could say that I love about Canada, I'm just chasing cattle. Mate, what's on your bucket list? Can't tell you. <laughs> Lots. Do you have a big dream to win or achieve or you'd like to see happen or anything like that? Yep. Yeah? You're not going to tell me, are you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Will Durkin, you are a hard one. So, mate, where to from here? Um, travel. I'm going to Springshaw next week. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we'll just go back to work and, and, and we start marching sort of after Springshaw and, and, yeah, just doing the same thing and, and drafting and, and working and trying to bring young horses through and stay consistent and stay competitive and just keep rolling on. Will Durkin, we thank you for your time. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks to our sponsor, Hewitt Consulting and Communications. From the south.